This is Sarah Stewart-Holland. And this is Beth Silvers. Thank you for joining us for Pantsuit Politics. Hello, everyone. We're so glad you're here with us for another episode of Pantsuit Politics today. You know, where we got from the midterm elections, we have to talk about them. And we're going to discuss how we are attempting to just filter through all of the noise in the coverage right now and focus on what matters to us as citizens and voters. Then we're going to talk about the rise of political violence through the lens of the very scary attack on Paul Pelosi Friday morning. We will end, though, with a real treat. Outside of politics, we got to be together this weekend to see the Judds in Nashville, and we're going to really process that concert. I felt a lot better after being able to work this out with you, Sarah. I didn't get to do that Saturday morning, so it feels good to dissect it together now. So glad. Before we get started, we're still celebrating our birthday. This is the second episode. Now listen, our episode on Friday, we're counting that as one. We did not count down to zero. We counted down to one. That was my call. That's how I like to count down. If you have a problem with that, you can take it up with me in the DMs, but I won't read them. Just kidding. Okay. So this is our second episode. Our birthday episode is on Friday. I don't know if you knew. We have two books. I think you're wrong, but I'm listening. And now what? And if you would like to check them out, recommend your library, Purchase a copy, or if you've already read them, leave us a review. That will be an amazing birthday gift. And then you can put it in the little forum we've been linking to, and you get little party favors, digital party favors, and you get entered to win our birthday time capsule with all our iterations of Pansy Politics over the years. It's going to be super fun, guys. Next up, we're going to attempt to have a polling-free, very healthy, grounded discussion of the midterm elections coming up. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you Ritual for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off.
Sarah, we are a week away from the midterm elections, which means it's the worst time to take in political news. Mm-hmm. So I thought we could talk a little bit about how we're thinking about all of that political news that we're taking in and mostly how we are filtering through it. The first decision that we made a long time ago is that we just don't cover polling here at Pantsuit Politics. You are never going to tune in for a discussion with us and hear what 538 is saying or what the Siena poll or whatever. We just we don't we don't do that. I don't really take in a lot of campaign coverage. I know that sounds bananas as a political podcaster, but it is stressful. I think a lot of it is harmful. I think a lot of the coverage, particularly around polling, can become prescriptive instead of just predictive. Like, I think people hear it. It affects how they feel about the elections and the candidates. I don't think it's helpful. It doesn't help me. What am I What am I going to do differently based on this coverage? You know, and I, and I can kind of get depressed thinking I'm probably not the only one who thinks that. <laughs> like, what are we all going to do differently at this point, right? And so beyond any commercials or campaign decisions that break through in a positive way that I will take in that I'm interested in, like campaigns sort of breaking the mold or doing something, especially this close to election day that is getting people's attention in a sort of uplifting, empowering way that I would be interested. But otherwise, like, I don't want any more debate analysis. I definitely am not going to partake in the sort of horse race well, this is where we are. Well, this one is so close. Well, this could anything with the headline could determine control of the Senate. I'm a hard pass on. I take in quite a bit of that, but then I don't have any desire to talk it through with you or with our audience because it is stressful. And I often find myself thinking this would be extremely valuable to me if I worked on a campaign. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really damaging because I don't work on a campaign. And I do have that sense of this is becoming more prescriptive than predictive. This is becoming intended to just create a story where there's not a story yet. I mean, the hard truth of it is we just have to wait now. We just have mm-hmm. to wait. The votes are going to be cast and counted and we have to wait. It's how I feel about the Supreme Court. I hate reading all of these. The Supreme Court is about to hear this case and they're about to decide this. Right. Well, it could be months before we have those decisions. I do not like getting spun up about it now. I just want to wait for the decisions and then try to understand them. And that's kind of where I am with the midterms. I want people to go and vote and I will wait for the votes to be counted and then we'll see where we are. So here's my hot tip right now with regards to voting. If you can early vote, do it. And here's why. Because I missed my first election ever in my adult life in this year's primary because I was on my ass with COVID. And there is so much sickness going around you (laughs) wherever you live. I don't know where you live in the United States, and it doesn't really matter. Because I promise you, wherever you live, there are high rates of flu A, strep, RSV, and COVID. And so, like, don't think, I'll go on election day, although I am planning on going on election day because I do love that vibe and I missed it in the primary. Be smarter than me. (laughs) If you can vote early, you should because you could get sick and legitimately not be able to go. And some of these races are going to be really close. I mean, already 20.7 million ballots have been cast in 46 states. So some of y'all are out there already getting this done. But if you can, I think you should. I just don't think you should depend on health at this point in the year. I think voting early is a really good plan if your state provides opportunities to do that, just because you never know what's going to come up. And then you can kind of put it behind you and legitimately give yourself permission to say, I did my piece. I just have Mm -hmm. to wait now because waiting is a lot of being an adult. What percentage do we think of being an adult is waiting? Like 70-ish percent? 
It's it's high. Well, I think it's waiting slash patience with things you don't have any control over. They're they're adjacent, right? They're two sides of the same coin. Maybe you're not waiting for something. Maybe you're just acknowledging that you don't have any control in this situation. I mean, we, we love seeing all the ways that you guys are taking control, though, and hosting your own ballot club. I'm having my ballot club tomorrow after this episode airs on Wednesday. I'm very, very excited to walk through with my community members, friends, and family the different local races and what we know about that. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll early vote after my ballot club. Nicholas is going to find out if they give away stickers where we can early vote because that is a very important part of the process to me. I'm just going to be real with you. But I'm very excited about that, and we love seeing you guys write in and share your photos and experiences with your own ballot clubs. So I have a new election innovation idea. It's not really a new idea, but it's a new practice that I would like to put into place. You know how we've talked about this before. In Australia, they have these big barbecues on Election Day. Mm -hmm. I really kind of want to have like an open house for people to come to after they vote. It is so anticlimactic. It's so true. You're, you vote and you're like, oh, I got my sticker. I'm so excited. That's why people do all of that voting stuff on social media. They're just looking for a way to celebrate. Yes. And I think it would be nice to do that in person, like gathered. I also wonder if over time, actions like that could help us just take the temperature down. I mean, a lot of what we're going to talk about this in the next segment, but a lot of what we're looking for this year is how do we take the temperature down? How do we have a sense of urgency about voting? Because the issues are urgent. And the decisions are urgent and it's all very important. And at the same time, keep our heads on no matter what the results are. And I was thinking, I wonder if just having a place to celebrate that we voted, we don't yet know the outcome, we will be here together, whatever happens, I think it could be nice. Yeah, I agree. I would love to have a place to go after a vote because there is this moment where you're like, I want to I wanna talk about it. I want to do something. I want to maybe I'll vote right before my ballot club and then my ballot could, club could be my voting celebration. I am going to get a giant cookie cake that says vote in the middle of it, though. I already have that. I like out. that. That's a good plan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to squeeze in one more ballot club, I think, before the election, because I've had a bunch of people reach out and say, I heard it was amazing. I hate that I missed it. Could we do it again? So I'm going to try to. And I'm so happy to see all of yours. So one other piece of information that we think is important. This comes from a top cybersecurity official, Jen Easterly. She has said, there are no specific or credible threats to disrupt election infrastructure. Well, the Russians are busy right now, as are the Chinese. So that's probably why <laughs> they have other things on their plates right now. But we right now feel that our election infrastructure is secure, that you can go vote on a machine with a paper ballot, however your state does it, and feel confident that your vote will be counted as it was cast. That is a very good thing. That is An important point, because the threat environment does not just contain cyber threats. It contains other kind of threats, like those posed by candidates such as Carrie Lake. And it also contains threats to the physical person of people who are in charge of our elections and their administration. And one thing I will call out to you, even though the Senate races tend to get most of the national coverage, to a lesser extent the House races, your governor... Your gubernatorial races and your races for secretary of state deserve as much attention, if not more, in terms of how our elections are administered and making sure that things are done well. And also a million things that really genuinely matter in your life every single day, like roads and schools and water. So please do go vote early. And then let's turn our attention now to that threat environment. Jenny Sterley calls it a complex threat environment. And we're going to talk about that and the attack on Speaker Pelosi's husband right after this break. 
be your special breakfast people here at Pantsuit Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day. Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Very early Friday morning, as I'm sure you have heard, an intruder entered the Pelosi family home in San Francisco. Paul Pelosi was there. Speaker Pelosi was in Washington, D.C. Paul managed to get into a bathroom where his cell phone was charging and enable the 911 dispatcher to hear enough that she realized something terrible was going on. 
Her name is Heather Grimes, and I think she deserves a lot of attention and praise for how she understood how dangerous the situation was. Mm -hmm. And dispatched police officers arrived at 2.27 a.m. in time to see the 42-year-old man who had entered the home assaulting Paul Pelosi with a hammer. So he had a surgery to repair a skull fracture and serious injuries to his right arm and hands. He's expected to make a full recovery. But this attack really aligns with reporting that we've been seeing for some time from the intelligence community about the risk of individuals fueled by a rise in domestic violence extremism acting on their own against people that they see as relatively easy targets in a violent way. Beyond the reporting of the intelligence community, we've had members of Congress just crying out. I don't know any other way to describe it. Axios did a report. They quoted Senator Susan Collins as saying, someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to get killed. I just saw a quote from uh, Debbie Dingell saying that someone is going to die. Just incident after incident. Jayapal had somebody outside her house with a shotgun. Representative Zeldin from New York was attacked by a man with a knife. And so they've had some changes. The sergeant at arms said that they would cover the cost of security system equipment and installation at lawmakers' personal residences. They all got like $10,000, I think, a person. And then, of course, there's been increased security at the Capitol since the events of January 6th. But it doesn't feel like it's enough for any of the members of Congress. I think they all feel so afraid. And who can blame them? Who can blame them? I thought it was interesting that Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who's had death threats since just the the second she was sworn in, just the second she was sworn in, she's been calling for security detail based on the volume of threats versus seniority, which I think is how it's currently structured. Because Nancy Pelosi has a full security detail, right? Like, if that person had gotten into her house while she was there, well, he probably wouldn't have gotten into her house if her security detail had been there. But let's say that he did, and he got in, and he had, like, zip ties with him, which mirrors, you know, some of the scary images we saw from January 6th. Like, I seriously doubt he would have been able to get to her. But this is clearly terrifying. I mean, thinking about somebody walking through your house going, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Like, they're all scared and they have every right to be. Like, this is a terrifying environment for the Speaker of the House, much less a House of Representative member, much less a school board member. You got school board members out there wearing bulletproof vests or election workers, like, it's too hot. It's too hot. It's too hot, and I think it doesn't matter what your partisan affiliation is in terms of feeling that threat. We heard a lot around the impeachment votes of kind of whispers that Republican colleagues of of members who are Democrats or who are Republicans who voted for impeachment would say, I would like to make this vote in favor of convicting the president, but I'm afraid for my family. I'm afraid for what, what it would mean for our safety. What struck me so much when I saw the news about Paul Pelosi is that sense of like, if I'm an election worker in Pennsylvania, Arizona, and I see that this can happen at the home of the Speaker of the House, who does have that level of protection, how does this feel to me when I know that there are threats and discussions and explicit conversation in radical groups that think of themselves as militias or paramilitary, even though I think that's a an unfair characterization of what they are and what they do. They're explicitly talking about targeting these local 
elections and and taking over at the the city and county level. And so, well, you had those guys in Arizona, like all outfitted up, sitting outside a vote drop box until the police came up and were like, "You have to go." But they were scary looking. They had their faces covered. They had all these weapons, and they were parked right by one of the drop boxes for ballots. I mean. In some ways, she is a part of the whole, and in some ways, she is a very special case. It is 100% entirely predictable when every freaking campaign from dog catcher in, you know, Sheboygan to the hottest Senate races in the country include her face as the villain. Every single one of them include this villainization, scary black and white imagery surrounding Nancy Pelosi. Like, she is a real-life human being. I know that's hard to imagine and remember, but she is. And it's like, come on. Like, you are putting her in increasing and increasing amounts of danger because of this desire to make her the stand-in, and I don't think it's an accident that she's a woman, the stand-in for this, like, scary, villainous Democrat. This is what we do, though. We cannot handle that balance between this is a there are unique factors in this case. And also it is part of a predictable trend. Some of the comments from Kevin McCarthy over the weekend sounded to me just like what he would have said if there had been a school shooting over the weekend. Mm -hmm. This zeroing in on a particular person, classifying that person as unstable putting all of the responsibility on that person and their lack of stability, pivoting to some message about general crime, but not being willing to say, okay, of course there's a piece of that. Of course, she is a human, an individual human, and so is this attacker and so is her husband. And they're all going to bring unique factors to the situation. The fact that her husband figured out how to get 911 on the line at all is amazing to me. And I think very dependent on some specific life experiences that he's probably had. Okay, always it involves individuals. And always it involves societal trends and forces. And it's very difficult to look at where where we were when Steve Scalise was shot at a congressional baseball game to now Statistics tell us that the number of threats, the number of violent incidents, the number of arrests made around plots to harm political leaders has increased dramatically. And so you cannot look at that and say, well, it's just this one guy because it's not mm-hmm. this. Even even with all of the unique factors surrounding this one guy, there are lots of that one guys out there. And it yeah. calls on all of us to say, what's our collective sense of responsibility about this? Because, I mean, and many of these threats, I know that there is a way to sort of tally as best you can who gets these threats. But in some ways, that disguises what's going on there. Because the Republican lawmakers getting threats from impeachment and the type of person who breaks into Nancy Pelosi's house are coming from the same sort of ecosystem, right? This far right, empowered, enabled, particularly during the Trump presidency, ecosystem that fuels domestic terrorism. And that's what this is. Assassination attempts on elected officials is a part of domestic terrorism. And it's a terrifying, very scary symptom of what we're seeing, which is this growing, growing far-right authoritarian part of the political spectrum that has been enabled and empowered over the past several years. 
And I think it's important for us to all understand that while you and I, Sarah, might view them as enabled and empowered, and objectively, I think that's true, there are so many forces within that group that feel disempowered, that feel almost like they had everything. They had a Republican president, a Republican Congress, and they still didn't get everything that they want. I listened to an interview over the weekend with Robert Draper about his new book, Weapons of Mass Delusion. And he talked about why Marjorie Taylor Greene ran for Congress and why she feels so bold and invited to lecture Kevin McCarthy on how he ought to run the House of Representatives if he becomes speaker again. Her feeling was Republicans had control and didn't do everything that the base wanted. And she ran because she felt like if we, if we win, we ought to win. We ought to get all of it. And there is no sense. And, and I just this is where I really kind of start to get in my head about how do we make positive change. There seems to be no sense that we can win and still not get everything we want because that's what's required of us in a democracy. That's a beautiful thing about the democracy. You can win and still not get everything you want. And so on the right, that has started to look like, well, then, then let's take it by force. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just a very scary moment to me when we cannot see that all of us have to cede a little bit of space to each other. That's the price of living in a country where we're free. That's what's so scary about moments like this is because they feed that cycle because then you have people who say, we can't cede anything. This is who we would be ceding things to is this far right Mm -hmm. authoritarian side of the Republican Party. You can't cede anything. You can't compromise. And look, I don't think you have to worry about the call to compromise with Marjorie Taylor Greene. She has no desire to compromise. She has no real desire to govern for what it's worth. Because that can be boring, and she likes to be on TV. So I think that that's that's what we get caught up in is like it feeds it instead of instead of sort of de-escalating and saying this is a call for de-escalation. It's hard to look at somebody like Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and say, well, we should really de-escalate right now. That's not these people showing up on my voicemail or outside my apartment. So I can't really blame the lawmakers who are terrified. And it's just it's also terrible because as we're in this election day where, you know, both my Republican state representative and my Republican state senator have no opponents. This is part of the reason why. Why would you run, especially in a place where it'd be hard to win anyway, with an intense far right contingent of the voting populace and expose yourself to this? So it's not it's not just hard on the people in power. It shrinks the pool of people who will run for office. And so it's it is it's hard to sort of deescalate and say, you know, we have to get out of this violent, chaotic swirl because it makes everyone fearful and it puts you in this sort of scarcity mindset and compromise and sort of working together is the last thing you want to do. You know, I think that what further exacerbates that sense that the stakes are too high for us to actually de-escalate is the immediate swirl into conspiracy about what happened here. It's been really disheartening to me how fast certain corners of the internet pivot to, well, here's what actually happened in Pelosi's house. And it's a narrative that has nothing to do with what actually happened in Pelosi's house. 
How did you feel about it coming from the new head of Twitter? Honestly, it was a little bit clarifying to me to see it from the current head of Twitter. Because this theory that has been bubbling around in my mind for a while is that we're we're losing a sense of what's real. And I don't just mean what's factual or true or a separation of online versus in person, but just like a sense of what it means to have a real feeling, what it would mean to really injure a person, what it would mean to actually get what you say you want. And so when someone like Elon Musk traffics in those theories, you can tell that he doesn't care if he's right or wrong. It's fun. It's interesting. He's being the provocateur. He's keeping it spicy out there. And I'm sure that if you're Elon Musk, it is hard to keep a sense of your place in the world and to keep your feet on the ground and to recognize the ripple effects of everything you say and do and think. I've thought about this a lot in connection with the controversy over uh, Taylor Swift's music video for Antihero. I'm sure that there is a level at which having any sense of the way people are going to interact with what you create or share, or say, is hard. I have a lot more empathy for Taylor Swift in this situation than I do for Elon Musk, just to make that really clear. (laughs) But it's been bubbling up for me in a lot of different contexts. And when I saw that he tweeted a link to this bizarre, false idea about what went down at the speaker's house, I just thought, you know, he's just, this is his version of play. Mm. And I had the same feeling when I read the indictment against some of the men who plotted to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan. This is their version of play. They get together. They dress up in tactical gear. They train. It is a way, I think, to feel something. And I get that because I think it is very hard to feel, especially at this moment in history. But I want to find some, like, channels for that (laughs) because this is not it. Well, we're recorded on Halloween. That's why I love this holiday. That's why I passionately advocate for costume wearing because it is a great way to play as an adult just to try on another identity. I currently have very long acrylic nails on and I feel like a different person. It's changed my whole life since I put them on 24 hours ago. But it's like it is this weird sense of like, I get to be dramatic. I get to be super sexy if that's not how I walk around in my everyday life. I get to try on something different. And it is much better to try on something different when the stakes are how you look at a Halloween party and not someone else's life. Someone else's life. But, you know, if you're in if you are wrapped up in a media environment that tells you the big scary democratic party is out to destroy America. And they're going to put socialism in place and they're going to put or communism in place or my new favorite I read about, which is we're just trying to hide the fact that the Democrats were want to undo the Civil War, which is just ahistorical and doesn't acknowledge that the the parties change. The words stay the same. I think that is part of the problem. We need a different word for the Republican Party right now because it's not what people think of as the Republican Party. But that's a whole different show. I just, you know, I, I agree. I think that there is this lack of reality and we have a media environment that will allow you to just swim around in what real whatever reality you've created until that 
quote unquote reality bumps it up against the actual real world, often in violent ways. I went to this church retreat and we were talking about a story about an, an Old Testament prophet. And it was essentially the hero's journey, as we were discussing Joseph Campbell's formulation of the hero's journey, which we see in everything from Star Wars to Moana. I mean, it's, it is what art is often about, what good story is about, this sense that you have some challenge that calls you away from home and on your path you meet allies and foes and all seems lost at some point, but then you triumph and return home wiser and better for the challenge. And a question was posed, like, where do you see yourself on this hero's journey? And I thought, I don't. I don't see myself on a hero's journey right now. I have a great and wonderful life, but it does not have a huge sense of momentum. I don't feel like I'm striving for anything in particular right now. I don't feel that I have enemies you know, or that these are my allies and we're really in it together getting through something hard and difficult. I mean, I have wonderful friends, but it just doesn't have that drama about it. And there are ways in which I feel very appreciative of that. I think that is a beautiful part of getting older, that you can feel a sense of contentment. But there are layers and layers of privilege and luck um, that have conspired in some ways to give me that sense of contentment. And even with all of that, there are moments when I feel myself thinking, where is the drama of things? Like, where <laughs> I, I do need something right now to take me to a different place. Now, my answer to that has been something like piano lessons instead of joining a group that has tactical trainings on the weekends in the woods. Mm. But I do, I am able to register a sense of empathy about the fact that a lot of modern life can feel pretty mundane and can leave you searching for how to be part of something bigger than yourself. I think Hamilton did a wonderful job of showing all the dimensions of people who who kind of have that sense of like, wouldn't it be great to die for a cause? These are conditions of being a person that have always existed. I think they exist even more in our modern landscape. And that to me is why if you're running for Congress, Maybe you say, in this field where people are searching for a lot, maybe I don't compare my campaign to a target practice. Maybe I don't talk about my political opponents as enemies. Maybe I turn the volume down on all of that, even as I say that what I stand for and do is important, Because it is not just a few unstable individuals out there. It is a whole society trying to figure out who to be right now. Look, I'm on the hero's journey right now through Maggie Haberman's book about Trump, the confidence man. And they have this moment where they're talking about there there was a meeting of sort of the Republican power players or Republican establishment when Trump first um, announced his candidacy because they were concerned and Maggie Hammerman's like, it's very surprising to watch these people with all this power. Why were they feeling so powerless? And I thought, because they understood this space better than the rest of us because they'd been playing to their fears in campaign ads for decades. Exactly just what you were describing, right? Like, that's why. That's why they knew immediately what a threat he was, because they didn't have the luxury of blowing off that segment of the voting populace because they'd been exploiting it for so long. They knew, they knew these, how these messages were going to land. They knew there was fertile ground 
for his particular type of populism and this particularly sort of like this threat, this like this playing to the threat, this sense that you're a fighter, that you are on the hero's journey, that you are fighting against something, that you're fighting against real live villains. And what a coincidence that it's actually just really Nancy Pelosi the whole time. They knew that. They knew that he that this that this was going to land and it was going to land and it was going to be hard to fight back against because again they they'd sown the seed they'd laid all the groundwork for him and continue to do it and I mean I just it's you can't go back when you're counting just statistically and looking at this environment I mean it's like quadrupled since he became president since he would sit in political rallies and say punch that guy with the Black Lives Matter shirt basically or definitely stand by while other people punched him it's just this this continued virus spreading throughout our political commentary that, you know, met met the moment for a lot of people. And I think you're right. It's not just, you know, these sort of one-offs. Obviously, we have a growing crisis here. And I think there was a lot of sort of miraculous things that happened between the 911 operator and Paul Pelosi's sort of actions himself. You know, I think it is it is a miracle that he is still alive and it is not much, much worse. And I don't know what the answer is for elected officials, because surely it cannot be that in order to serve in office, you need to be more and more disconnected from your constituents to keep your physical person safe. You know, but I saw that some members have spent less and less time in their districts, are doing mm. more by teleconference, Zoom, town halls. And I understand that. That is also a certain path to decline. And and I don't have a good sense of how we do better here other than the work that you and I have been advocating for and trying to practice since we started this show seven years ago, just that in our lives, in the places where we have influence, trying to just bring it in and and figure out how to see each other. And I know some of you are hearing from family members the conspiracy theories about what this was instead of it being an attack. And I think we just have to look at the people we love and say, I really think that you know better than that. I really think you do. And I love you for so many reasons. And one of them is that deep down, I know that you know better than what you're telling me right now. I hope that we are not continually talking about election-related violence over the next couple of weeks and that we can return to the beauty of your ballot clubs and all of the action that many of you are taking. I know many of you out there are poll workers, that you're volunteering for campaigns and knocking doors, and we just see and uplift all of that effort. Please keep sending us your pictures and your emails of stories from all of that local work and our thoughts to the Pelosi family as Paul Pelosi continues to recover, hopefully well, and as that family processes the trauma that they have just been through. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. 
I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. We always end the show by talking about what's on our minds outside of politics. And we had the rare opportunity to do something fun together in person over the weekend. We saw Winona Judd in concert in Nashville with friends. It was like a real celebration of powerful women in country music. I feel comfortable saying we saw the Judds in concert because despite the passing of Naomi Judd, tragically, we did celebrate the Judd's career and their music quite a bit. So we got the special, our announced special guest was Trisha Yearwood, who is my absolute most favorite female country singer. Martina McBride opened the show. So they came out and sang Girls Night Out with Winona together, which was fantastic. And then, of course, my beloved Brandy Carlisle came out and performed. Just like happy as a clam, just sat there like sang along with the songs, did some backup. I adore her. I think she is the best human. She has very much taken Winona 
like sort of under her wing. Winona was at my Brandy Carlisle concert in the summer. And then Brandy came to this one. And I think she went to the one in Rep Arena as well. She's been very supportive of Winona, I think, through this tragedy, which just confirms everything I know and love about her. Now, if you're like, who are the Jeds? What? No. Mother, mother, daughter. No one says that. Who says that? Listen, I went to buy your Christmas present before I came down so I could bring it to you in person. And they asked me what I was doing. And I said, well, I'm going to go see the Judds. And they were like, who? And I got them to. It was a concert. But there are people Ugh. who don't know. So listen, beloved mother-daughter country duo from Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Ashley Judd is Winona's sister. Naomi, the mother, tragically died by suicide earlier this year after a long struggle with mental illness and this tour had been planned before her death and Winona decided to go on with it it was so moving to me though how honest she was about how that decision was a struggle about how she is still struggling she is so sad and she Mm -hmm. did not try to hide how sad she was and it was really special to me I felt like I was there not to be entertained, but to participate in a commemoration of what Naomi and Winona did together and what their family has been through. Well, even before the concert started, there was it was basically like a live karaoke hour of my 90s country playlist, which is amazing. I do say so myself. And like the last song they played before the concert started was Briggs and Dunn, Boot Scoot Boogie. And it was just it was like we were at a party. Like it was amazing. Everyone was singing along. This man behind us, y'all, who looked like a like a Harley Davidson biker man in his easily 50s. I have never heard anyone sing so passionately. Mama, he's crazy. He's crazy over me. Mama, he's crazy. Such a delight. He had a beautiful voice. Yeah, everybody was singing along. We had such a good time. Now, I do want to, I did fall down a Wikipedia bit of a hole about why I know This family is, has had a hard life. Anyway, you slice it. From beginning to end, you know, Naomi got pregnant with Winona when she was 17. She married Ashley Judd's father. Winona did not know this man was not her father until she was an adult. Ashley didn't know it either. Then, you know, they had this meteoric success for about eight years. Then Naomi retires because she has hepatitis. Turns out she had a different kind of hepatitis. She comes back. Winona is married, divorced, has two kids, then gets married to this other guy who is then arrested for sexually assaulting a child. Then she marries Cactus, the drummer, who was there that night and was adorable with her. But he lost his leg in a motorcycle accident. Her daughter is in prison for eight years, has a face tattoo, and is pregnant with another inmate, you guys. She didn't even get out for Naomi's funeral. This is a tough road. This is a tough situation this family has been through. Like, made a steal. And I was just reading all this because I kind of started thinking about, you know, Ashley and Winona are sort of known for, like, having tough parts in their relationship. And especially they say every time, both of them say every time, we don't agree on everything. And I have to believe some of that is politics. There was a moment during the Women's March where Ashley, like, sort of said this monologue about, like, well, you voted for the grabber. And I was thinking about her, and I was thinking about Brandy Carlisle, honestly, because we all know what Brandy Carlisle's politics are. She is a very, very, very famous lesbian, married with kids, advocate for LGBTQ people. And I thought, man, like, I love that you, like, you love her like she's family. I bet y'all don't agree on much either. Not for nothing. I bet she doesn't agree with Tandy Tucker's politics either. And I just thought, but that, like, I think 
especially as like a very famous liberal person who's out politically, like there's a sense of like you don't like you have no space because you have the privilege not to give space to anybody. Right. You can say like we fall in line or I don't have to be around you. I'm famous. I don't have to bring you into my life if I don't like your politics. And it just makes me love her even more that and Ashley that they like clearly and Winona. Winona's doing the same thing, although she's way less political. She's very open about like I don't I'm not political. I'm not doing that. It's toxic. But I just think I started like kind of going down this this road about like, man, I bet their politics are nothing alike. And I love that she loves her and that she has shown up for her in this tough time. And she's there and she's working through it. Because, like, I love Winona. I loved every song she sang. I think she's an amazing performer. And I bet she's a hard person to be around. I'm just going to be honest with that. I think she's honest about that. She mm-hmm. she has given that vibe off since she first burst onto the scene. She clearly says and does exactly what she decides to say and do. There was kind of an awkward moment at the end before she went off stage where she just burst into reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. I don't think there was an American flag in the building at that yeah. time. It was really out of the blue. And so and I, I'm not anti-Pledge of Allegiance. I have some complicated feelings about it, but I've never <laughs> seen anyone just spontaneously do in it after their encore. It was strange. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that, that that is all just kind of hanging out there with this mm-hmm. family. And it's a really interesting thing to see something that is not so carefully managed, but it's just yeah. they are just living in public and struggling in public. And what I really loved, this was a tough concert for me. I had been at the hospital with my mom for four days. So this the whole like fragility of life, mother, daughter, mm-hmm. like it was I've, I found this difficult. But man, when you said that Brandy Carlisle had taken Winona under her wing, it was so impactful to me to see that all of these women feel that way about each other. There seems to be mm-hmm. something very reciprocal going on. Trisha Yearwood sang as Naomi for a while. She did mm-hmm. not do her big Trisha Yearwood voice when she was when she was in the Naomi slot with Winona, she sang it like Naomi did, who was always a, a smaller sort of voice backup. than Winona's, you know. And and Brandy Carlisle talked about and acted like Winona was the true first amazing woman country music performer. They all kind of like got down on one knee for her. They let it be her show the whole time. And to see, like, just the generosity of spirit of these women towards one another, I thought it was just—I just watched it and I thought, you know what? I rarely look at famous people and think, I'm taking a note. But I took a note. Yeah. I mean, even when Winona was at Brandy's concert, it kind of became about Winona. She, like, sat on the stage and just watched the show for a while. It was hilarious. But, you you, you know, Brandy has been very public about, like— the Judds were her first, second, and third concerts as a, a young person. So she, like, she really just adores them. It is evident. This is, you know, I know this is supposed to be about—no, <laughs> no, no, I keep talking about Brandy. But this is my favorite thing about her. I love that she, like, goes back to these people. She, it was like, Tanya Tucker does not have the the respect she deserves for the role she played in country music history, especially as a woman. Went out there, produced her record, got that woman a Grammy— and, like, brings Joni Mitchell out to perform for the first time. Now her and Joni Mitchell are doing a show at the Gorge next summer. Like, I just, that generosity of spirit. You know, it reminds me of my other favorite, Oprah, when she did the Legends Ball and said, like, for my birthday, I'm going to celebrate all these women who were essential, essential to me. 
and my career. I just think it is the best. It is the best. I want to have my own Legends Ball one day really bad. I want to just have a Legends Ball and go, like, bring Oprah and just give her diamond earrings even though she doesn't need them. I want that for you, too. I would like so to come fun. when you have Brandy a Brandy would be ball. there. Winona would be there. I would invite Winona to my Legends Ball for sure. She could come. She should come. She is a legend under any rubric. However difficult she might be as a human, she is absolutely a legend. And she should bring Cactus with her because Cactus. also uplifting in this concert was seeing how much he adores her. It's so fun. He loved her. Y'all, he like kissed her and then she gave him a mean look and then she had to reapply her lipstick. And she said, I told him not to. She said, he doesn't touch. He's not supposed to touch my hair or my lips. I love it. But like, she, it was like a wink and a nod. They've been married a while. They've been married about 10 years. I'm happy for her. Me too. Love is a man and he's mine. I love you, Cactus. Well, thank you all so much for joining us today for another wide-ranging conversation. We would love to hear your thoughts on anything we discuss. We particularly do want to keep hearing about all the work that you're doing towards good, healthy, democratic elections. You can send your thoughts to us at hello at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. Just a reminder, we have two more episodes until our birthday episodes. We'd love for you to check out our two books. I think you're wrong, but I'm listening. And now what? How to move forward when we're divided about basically everything. And if you have read them, we would just love for you to leave a review of them wherever you purchase books we'll be back in your ears on friday until then have the best week available to you Pantsuit Politics is produced by Studio D Podcast Production. Elise Knapp is our managing director. Maggie Penton is our community engagement manager. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Our show is listener-supported. Special thanks to our executive producers. Martha Brunitsky. Linda Daniel. Allie Edwards. Janice Elliott. Sarah Greenup. Julie Haller. Helen Handley. Tiffany Hassler. Emily Holliday. Katie Johnson. Katina Zuganellis-Kasling. Barry Kaufman. Molly Kors. Lori Lodow. Lily McClure. Emily Neasley. The Pettons! Tawny Peterson. Tracy Putoff. Sarah Ralph. Jeremy Sequoia. Katie Steigers. Karen True. Annika Uveline. Nick and Elisa Valelli. Catherine Vollmer. Amy Whited. Jeff Davis. Melinda Johnston. Michelle Wood. Joshua Allen. Morgan McHugh. Nicole Berkless, Paula Bremer, and Tim Miller.